Thicken up your skin and get ready for a supersized serving of opinion. Delivering constructive criticism and powerful praise, it's the Podcast Review Show. This is the podcast that takes the guesswork out of first-time impressions. You'll discover new podcasts while learning podcasting tips. Join in on the conversation via voicemail, email, comments, and polls. It's all at our website, podcastreviewshow.com. Welcome to the Podcast Review Show. I'm your host, Dave Jackson, from the school of podcasting.com. And this is where we have someone submit their show. We take a listen to it and we find out what they're doing right so they can do more of that. And then there might be a few things they want to polish up on. So we look at your content, we look at your website, we look at your technology and kind of run it through a fine tooth comb. And joining me as always, the one, the only podcast talent coach, Eric K. Johnson. How's it going, buddy? Hey, Dave. Good to see you again. Glad to be here. This is going to be another fun one. Yeah. This is what we will call a light review, which means it's just us. It's me and Eric. Eric and I, I'm not sure what the proper uh, grammar of that is, but (laughs) in this case, it's just us. And we're looking at a show called Investing with the Buy Side. And we're going to take a peek at that. My first question to you was, when I first saw the title, Investing with the Buy Side, I kind of knew what the podcast was about, but was it confusing to you at all? Because I know a little bit about investing, it wasn't really confusing to me because there's the buy side and the sell side. Okay. So... It made a little sense to me. It's in the woods. I mean, you have to be in the know in order to get it. But yeah, I understood where we were going with it. I know nothing about investing. I should, but I don't. And I was able to figure it out just from looking at it. But it was one of those, at least for me, I was kind of like, hmm, I'm not sure exactly what that's about. We always send out kind of a survey and ask the person, you know, why did you get into this? Why do you pick this? So in this case, the host is Nate. And he gets into it because he says, I want to change the way people think about investing and give something to investors that they never previously had. He says, I believe that so many people distrust the system, which they should. And I'd like to level the playing field for all the investors. And we always ask, like, what would make your show a success? In other words, what would you go? This is what needs to happen for me to keep doing it is kind of how I mean that question. Maybe I need to rephrase it. And it says, How would he know if the show is a success? He says, if a handful of investors can use the information to make the right investment decision, I've done what I've set to do, even if that means I have to rejoin the corporate world again. So he's out to help people. And I think to me, that kind of came across in the podcast. And this is probably at the beginning where I thought it was cool because of my teacher background. He's very much focused on making sure people have the whole story to it. And I appreciate that aspect of his show, but I'm not sure how he will know it's a success. How will he know that that actually happens? If he's saying, I'll know it's a success if investors take what I give them and make the right investment decisions, how will he know that? How is he going to know if I take what he gives me and makes that investment decision? He's going to rely on somebody going, hey, thanks so much for episode six. I looked into that company and I bought a thousand shares. And they just went up 20%. Right. Thank you so, so much. So he, he would know if listeners give him feedback right. saying that they've taken action and actually made some wise investment decisions. And that's the difficult with these light reviews right. is that we'll need to make some assumptions here over this entire review because Nate isn't along with us for the ride. So we can't ask him certain things. We'll have to assume certain things. Yeah, That's one question is we could really dive into knowing 
how will you know if your podcast is a success? I understand you want to help people make wise investment decisions, but how will you know if that happens? And therefore, how will we know that podcast is a success? So we'd kind of have to peel that onion a little bit more. I think that was a superficial sort of answer. And then when he said, even if I have to re-enter the corporate world, I wasn't sure what that meant either. Like if the podcast doesn't make enough money to earn him a living, I'm not sure what that meant. He's less than 20, I believe. Doesn't have any numbers, not that you really need those. But he's fairly new to the space. As I look at the show, he's got 11 episodes. So we're new to the game, basically. But yeah. Which isn't a bad thing. You know, everybody needs to start somewhere. So I have no problem with that. We can figure out how to make money. And we'll get to that when we start talking about the website. Yeah. We've got the first little under two minutes here of the intro of the show. Hello, and welcome to Investing with a Buy Side. My name's Nate Abercrombie, and I'm the host of the podcast that strives to level the playing field for all investors by providing corporate access. The opportunity to meet with business executives and learn more about a company is a privilege and an advantage that institutional investors have over everyone else. Investing with a Buy Side intends to change that by delivering management interviews to the broader investment community. Tune in each week to hear corporate management discuss their companies, industries, strategy, and vision. If you'd like to learn more, please visit investingwiththebuyside.com. I hope you enjoy the interview. Investing with the Buy Side or IWTV is for educational purposes only. The topics discussed on the IWTV podcast are intended to be of general and impersonal nature, and the opinions expressed of the companies, industries, and markets are solely the perspectives of the IWTV guests and hosts. None of the opinions expressed on the podcast should be considered as investment advice, and the discussions on the podcast should not be relied upon for any investment decisions. Consult your financial, legal, and accounting advisors before making any investments. IWTV personnel may own investments in companies discussed in this podcast. IWTV does not otherwise receive any form of compensation and does not have or intend to have any commercial relationships with the companies whose representatives appear on the podcast. And then he actually gets into Welcome to the introducing the guest. I always love the fact that when there's a disclaimer, you have to hire a guy that talks just a little bit faster than he should because he has to get through all the really boring part. <laughs> That's always fun. Oh. <laughs> Back in the day when we used to do the uh, EAS test on the radio station, the EAS test, this, uh, the following is a test of the emergency alert system. It's only a test. We actually one time got one of the guys from the original Star Trek. We got Bones to record that for us. <laughs> so it actually made it entertaining rather than just hearing the same guy give the disclaimer, which was pretty funny. At the end of it, did he say, damn it, Jim, I'm a doctor. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm a doctor, not a doctor. Wait a minute. Yeah, I'm not a doctor, not an announcer. I'm not a... Oh, wait. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I thought the intro was good. I'm glad that he put the disclaimer after the open, you know, hook me into the episode, get me in first. I hear a lot of podcasts start with that disclaimer, a lot of financial ones and podcasts that need to give a disclaimer, they'll start with that disclaimer and then roll into the show. It's like the last thing I want to hear is 25 seconds of disclaimer before the show starts. So hook me, get me interested into the show and then roll into that disclaimer. I like that. I thought it was a solid open. You know, we're here to give the average investor the inside the pros have, which I thought was solid. 
at the very beginning, the music kind of sets it up. I thought that might've been a little long. We got three to five seconds into it. I thought we should start talking. I think we were 17 or 20 seconds into it. It's a lot. If I just play the intro just quickly here, to me, it'd be, you got the intro, you got this, and the musician goes four, three, two, one, voiceover. And instead it's another like, and then (laughs) Right, and Hello, I'm like, okay, welcome to investing. Oh, there we are. Yeah, and so I was like, that to me, and it sounds weird, but I'm with you. I'm like, I don't need to hear whatever. To me, that has like an island theme to it. <laughs> to me, right? It's like okay. I, I didn't have a problem with the music. No. I thought the island theme was kind of fun. Yeah, this podcast needs some levity. Yeah. I mean, we get into the weeds in this one. Yeah. It's there's a lot of investing information, and if you're not a hungry investor, this one isn't for the passerby. You don't stumble upon this and go. Oh, let's dive into this and see what kind of ROI this uh, CEO is churning out. That's not going to happen. But I thought it was a solid open. I thought we set up the show well and hooked our listener and got him right in. Yeah. He then goes into a fairly extensive kind of setup of the guest and there's almost a history lesson in energy. And there are some cool things in there. Like he has this one spot where he says, I should also note that you'll hear a lot of acronyms in this interview. If you're curious what some of them are, take a look at the IWTB blog page. I'll include a glossary shortly after the podcast is posted. But just know that the acronyms aren't all that important and you shouldn't get caught up wondering what they mean. So I thought that was a really great advice because there are a lot of acronyms. Holy moly. I love how he uses an acronym as he's telling you to go to the IWTB website. Yeah. Yeah. And so I like that as he started to talk about the history of how companies that deal in electricity and fuel have had this ups and downs and this the story, this one place going bankrupt and blah, blah, blah. To me, because it was a story in a way, the story of companies, it kind of kept me engaged. And the whole time, again, he started off, this is going to benefit you as an investor. So I was like, okay, so I'm, I'm in, he's already told me this is how you're going to benefit. So he had me hooked in. And then I did notice when he finally gets to his guest, do you know what timestamp it was? It was not exactly quick. He finally started the interview at 1020. Yeah. So I'm surprised because usually I'm the impatient one that's like, get to the content. He had me because again, he was kind of telling a story and this guy did that. And then they went bankrupt and you didn't know it, but then they found a bunch of natural gas in the Price went through the basement and I was like, oh, wow, I didn't realize that's what happens when all this does. So I was somewhat sucked into that whole setup. What were your thoughts on that? So for your point of view, the interview here, he brings on this CEO of the company and he interviews him about the ups and downs of the company and how the company came out of bankruptcy and stemmed from this other company. And so for the first 10 minutes of the show, he sets up the industry. So he gives an overview of the industry, which is smart for an investor. I like that. But with regard to the 10 minutes of setup, Dave, I thought it was a lot. And I'm glad it engaged you. It was the opposite for me. It did not hook me in. I felt that as he read that long history, it was very newsy. And his cadence and inflection were pretty similar through that entire 10 minutes. Yeah, And I found it very hard for me to stay engaged. I wanted it to be more like an NPR sort of presentation. There needed to be maybe some audio drops in the middle of it just to kind of break it up a little bit, to add a little more, add some dynamics to his inflection, just really paint the picture for me of what it is and tell me the story rather than reading the story to me. And even if you need to read it, 
let's figure out ways to read it where it sounds like you're telling me the story rather than reading the story in the same cadence. And we read about the news and the thing. And we talk about the deal and the deal. And by 10 minutes in, I'm like, holy crud, if this is what it's going to be for for an hour and 10 minutes, I'm going to have to really focus to get it in. So it was tough for me to find my way through that first 10 minutes. And I found myself forgetting that there was an interview coming. (laughs) I'm, I'm trying to think of, okay, what are we setting up here? With regard to what you played right there, he made reference to the interview in a few places like that. But we were getting deep into the weeds talking about the industry overall and setting that up to the point where I forgot that we're going to be talking to a guy here in 10 minutes from now. I understand what you're saying, because there were parts when he's reading the history, when it was like, yeah, he's reading the history. So I can definitely see that. The other thing I thought was interesting is right before he gets to the interview, he throws in what I'm calling the pitch. Before we get to the interview, I'd like to say that I really do hope that you're enjoying the IWTV podcast. If you are, I kindly request that you give Investing with a Buy Side some stars on the podcast platform you use, and please subscribe. I'd also like to reiterate that the IWTV podcast doesn't receive any form of compensation from the companies that come onto the program. And despite what you may have heard about how easy and inexpensive it is to start your own podcast, it's not true. So if you're getting a lot out of these interviews and you'd like to hear more, please check out the IWTB support page and consider supporting Investing with the Buy Side. It would mean a lot. I'll leave it there. Let's get to the interview with Kurt. And that's where a couple things I would expand on that because he has, we'll, we'll get to his website later, but running a podcast is 30 bucks a month. Running a podcast, if you're doing full transcriptions, can be hundreds of dollars a month. If you're using rev.com, it's like a buck a minute. And this interview was easily 45 minutes. So if you're doing a weekly show, that's $180 a month just in transcription fees. So I would peel back that curtain. If you're asking people to support the show because it takes a little, well, let me know why. Again, it's for me, I always think anytime you can let people know why, well, then they're either going to buy in or they're going to go, no. But I'll leave it at that. There were two times when you said that, and I was kind of like, that doesn't work in marketing. You know, Geico, yeah, we'll leave it at that. It's insurance. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. You know, you, yeah, you need to have a solid call to action. You need to give people a reason, get them to buy in and get them to want to do it. So I agree. There's got to be a solid call to action and you have to get them over there. Yeah. And one other thing about the long setup, once we got to this point here, I understand the setup and within the setup, he's making reference to the interview. And at one point in time, he says, if you remember from my intro to the interview with Kirk Andrews and I'm like, well, No, I don't remember that because I didn't hear that episode. And then I need to remember that later on in the interview. So when we get 30, 40 minutes into the interview and he references this piece right here, now I need to go back and remember the intro. I need to remember whatever he said here at seven minutes or eight minutes into the preamble. So if you're going to reference a previous interview, do that closer to the content in which it relates. So I know what we're talking about. And you should also give me the episode number. If you listen to my episode with NRG's Kirk Andrews back in episode, whatever it was, then I can go back and listen to it if I choose to do so. Even so, that would be a great opportunity to drop in the intro to the interview with Kirk Andrews, a little piece of that. So you can refresh my memory of what we're talking about. 
So that would be an opportunity to add some actualities into the 10 minute opening of the show to remind me of what we're talking about. As someone who does a lot of solo shows, anytime you can break it up with another sound clip, that's just not you talking. It just keeps things kind of moving, keeps the pace going. It adds depth to the whole thing. Yeah. One of the things right now on social media is people will take artwork and they'll take a picture. Like let's say Eric's on my show. I'll get a picture of Eric and I'll have this really cool quote that he said on my show. I'll take that quote, put it on an image and throw that on social media. And those seem to work really well. People like click on that and go see what the rest of it is. And so if you can find some sort of cool pull quote, so when you can say, hey, back on episode 37, we talked with Kirk and he said this, blah, 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 blah. That might actually get people to go back and either A, listen to that show. And then if you wanted, you could, you could say, and on episode 37, and then just really quickly, if you never want to miss an episode, go to the website and subscribe. And then bam, right back to your thing. That was the other thing I was going to mention. He said, go out and leave ratings and reviews. To me, all ratings do is they give you social proof. Subscribers is really what you want because that means when you put out an episode, depending on how the person has their phone set up or their device, it's going to get on their phone. You really want more subscribers than reviews. So I would go out and say, go out and subscribe. And hey, while you're there, if you want to leave us a review, that would be great. But a lot of people get hung up on that. And he does have 50 reviews. I did go out and check some of those. It was kind of, well, you can't complain if somebody leaves a review. But when it's like, great information from the guys at the top. To me, I love a review that says, I love the way you do this. But what are you going to do? They're free. <laughs> so right. he then gets into his first question, which is this. Could we first start, start out talking about your background? How'd you get into the power business? And so, Eric, I know you had some thoughts on this. Yeah, we just spent 10 minutes setting up this interview, and now we're going to ask him to set up the interview again. I thought, okay, you could have included a little bit his background into the 10 minutes we just treaded water, setting up the whole thing. And I thought we could have found a stronger question to start right here. We know he's in the power business. We've just spent 10 minutes with the brief history of the power business and this company in particular. And add three sentences and tell me what this guy does. So then when we start the interview, we hit him with a question that I can use as an investor. Hit him with a question that gives me some information, like the show's promise. Give me information that the big insiders have that I don't have as an average investor. Let's ask that question first. Make it pay off. Yeah, I had a situation recently where I interviewed somebody and I think he's just used to having the first question be, tell me a little bit about yourself. And instead I asked him a very specific question and he said, well, going back to the beginning and he gave me the entire history of pretty much his life. And the whole time he's doing it, I'm like going, this is going right on the editing floor. But I did know that apparently, at least for him, he thought that was important for me to know. So I took some of that information and put it into my introduction when I'm introducing, hey, I'm talking with so-and-so today. He's the blah, blah, blah of this. He did this. And I just moved that information to me doing it where I can do it in a much reduced time and, and get right to the point. And that's the problem with tell me a little bit about yourself. Your guest has no idea what information from his past your audience needs to know. You know your audience. You know your avatar. You know your ideal listener. You know what parts of their history are relevant. Therefore, you can take a five-minute tell-me-about-yourself answer and edit it down to about three sentences in about 17 seconds 
to give the exact information your audience needs to know. Because, hey, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I don't know who your audience is. So I'm going to start back in the day. I grew up in the Midwest, went to school for architecture and ended up falling into radio by mistake. I have no idea if your audience needs to know this. The only reason tell me about yourself is relevant to your audience is because it gives your guest credibility. So if I bring Dave on my show and we're talking on podcast talent coach, which I don't interview anybody, but let's say (laughs) you've lost your mind and you decided to do an interview. (laughs) Today was the day episode 300 and I'm putting Dave on. So what does my audience need to know about Dave? They need to know that he's been in podcasting since 2005. He's an award-winning podcaster. He's been teaching people for decades and he's going to be able to share with you exactly what you need to know to make your podcast better. That's it. I don't need to go, Dave, tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, I play guitar and I live in Akron or somewhere near there. (laughs) My first job at 15 was a grocery bagger. Right. I love great guitar players like Ingve Malmsteen. (laughs) And I don't need to know all of this. Those four sentences I just told you about, Dave, that's all my audience needs to know. Yeah. So we don't need to get in to tell me about yourself. Figure out what your audience needs to know about your guests. Tell them that. And then start your interview with a question. Yeah. I understand why people want to establish credibility for the guest. And to me, you can do that in your intro. But if Eric decides, hey, you know what? It's episode 500. I'm bringing on a guest. I already trust Eric enough that whoever's coming on has credibility. If they didn't, they wouldn't be on his show. So I don't know that establishing credibility is something we really need to put a huge bit of time in. To me, if you're on the show and if you start bringing on people that don't have anything to do with your audience, well, then I'm going to leave. So yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. I just, I trust the host to bring on people who are going to fit, but I thought the guest himself was actually pretty cool in terms of sharing his insights. As we get into the interview, you'll hear Nate's inflection start to pick up. He gets more into a conversational tone, which is the tone I wish he would have had in the first 10 minutes because it's just him. He's in his room. I don't know if he stands up when he records it, but if you stand up and you project a little bit more, you turn your headphones down. So you have to talk a little louder to hear yourself and you have a little more energy. The energy that he has as he's conducting the interview is the energy I wish we would have had in the first 10 minutes of the show. Yeah, he was kind of pulling out some interesting stories about the company and things of that nature. Like, here's a, just a quick clip. Over 2016, the name Vistra, which was already developed before I got here, so I can't lay claim to it, got its origins in sort of vision, meaning people thinking, hey, we're coming out of bankruptcy, so we want to think about the future, but not forget about the tradition of the past. So it's, you know, VIS is for, for vision, future, and then the TRA was for the tradition. And I know for me, who works for a company called Libsyn, the fact when I go, it stands for liberated syndication. You can see people go, oh, because the whole time they're like, it's what? Libsyn? Liberated syndication. So I just thought, okay, that was kind of a cool that they explained kind of the history where that came from. And that, what again, was coming out of the story of their bankruptcy. And I also thought it was interesting that at times you got the CEO and they weren't super tough questions, but they weren't all softball either. Like he had this one. Why did the stock price drop so low? Why is there so much volatility in the IPP space? So I just thought the fact that you go to a CEO and go, so like, why did your stock go in the tank? 
Yeah, but even that question, he kind of softened a little bit yeah. because he says, why did your stock price drop so low? Good, hard-hitting question. And then he says, why is there so much volatility in the space? Yeah. Which answered the question. For the energy industry, there's a lot of volatility. So you expect big ups and big downs. Yeah. So he kind of answered the question and softened it a little bit. I thought he asked a few of those questions. I would have liked to have seen more hard-hitting questions as an investor. I don't want to just be one big pitch for the stock. Let's hit him with some hard stuff that you would expect to hear at a shareholders meeting or something like that. Yeah, that's actually what I started to think of is like he's asking questions that the shareholders would ask. He had one here about what have they learned from the past? But the one thing we're not going to do, I've seen the less, you know, I've learned the lessons of the past. We're not going to overextend ourselves into fledgling technologies so that we can wave the flag that we're a big renewable player. We're going to do it because it has economics and that it makes sense for our retail business and it makes sense for the company to do that. There does come a point, and you've kind of mentioned this, that like he's trying to not make it a giant commercial. About halfway through, I'm like, well, I feel like I should invest in this company because the guy's explaining, well, we've done this to cover that. And if the industry does this, we've got this and we've got this and that. And I was kind of cool. A lot of his, his, the guest's answers were almost straight out of a shareholder's letter. That answer right there is what you would expect a CEO to say. But I thought that Nate had some great responses to it at one point in time. It might've even been to that answer right there. He said, that's great to hear, especially from the perspective of a shareholder. Right. So he puts it back in the listener's point of view, which I thought was fantastic. I would have liked to have heard more of that. Like, let's take a look at this whole thing from a shareholder's perspective, as if we're asking questions out of a letter to the shareholders out of an annual report or something. I thought it was interesting when the CEO mentions that the one thing that they really makes him nervous is the fact that the government gets involved in their business and they don't know when they don't know where, and they don't know what they're talking about. And then that's when I thought, well, that's kind of cool because on one hand, he really made it sound like this is a safe bet. I should go buy some stock in this company because they seem to really know what they're doing. And then he throws in this bit of like, oh yeah. And the government can come in anytime and start regulating things. And (laughs) then I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, maybe not. So I thought there was a nice balance of not just everything is, puppy dogs and rainbows and, and this could happen that's a lot like radio government can show up anytime and they're not even laws they're just regulations like the government can change them the fcc can change radio regulations anytime they want because they're just regulations there's no passing of a law at all they're just like yeah it's indecency i'll know it when i hear it I'm like oh great thanks <laughs> can you give me an example no no we can't no no I'll, I'll know it when i hear it and then we'll find you <laughs> thanks mom <laughs> <laughs> appreciate that. There was one question here. Uh, it just seemed like, okay, here's the softball pitcher grain. He asked basically, hey, if I am uncomfortable about buying stock in your company, if you were a potential Vistra energy investor and you know, knowing what you know about your business, what do you think the most important or key things are that you would need to do in order to get comfortable with a Vistra investment? From a CEO standpoint, he's like, man, I'm really glad he asked this question because I want to calm everybody's nerves. I was kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, which is good because if I'm on the fence, I need to hear that answer. I just, to me, I was kind of like, it's starting to sound a little bit like a commercial. One thing I admire about Nate's ability to conduct this interview at all is the ability to get a CEO to talk 
in depth about his company on a stock show without violating the forward-looking statements regulation. Hmm. Any big company and corporation, they have a department that is in charge of all of the news releases and everything because they want to make sure they're not making any forward-looking statements and trying to make you believe something about their stock and the stock price that may or may not be true. And he's able to actually get some really good information out of this guy in an hour-long interview that was pretty impressive, like this question right here. Getting this guy to tell me why I should invest in the company and stay within the legal boundaries was pretty impressive. Yeah, that would be tricky because the minute he says something, now it's whatever insider trading or whatever. Right, it starts getting scrutinized. Yeah, so that's kind of tricky. Do you have anything before I hit the ending here? I don't think so. There were a couple times where he got the guy to tell some pretty good stories. There was one toward the very end, about an hour into the show. He told a really good story. I'd like to have heard more of that, like how the company came about and some of the struggles that they've had. Just to kind of lighten up the heaviness of an investor data-driven sort of podcast. Yeah, I forget the question, but his last one was like, can you tell us a time where, and I forget what it was, like where something went weird. And he talked about how he went into a meeting and he was with somebody who had meetings back to back to back to back. And he went to the first meeting. They're like, look, you're ours for the rest of the day or something like that or something. Yeah. yeah, The lady said the meeting will end when I say it ends. Yeah. like, Oh, okay. (laughs) I thought that was a good way to kind of end the conversation because I could see where these conversations could get pretty heavy. And so to kind of bring it back to something light, it's a way to, kind of gently end the interview without just like, okay, and we're done. So I thought that was a nice touch, but here's how he ends the podcast. Thank you for listening to Investing with the Buy Side. I hope you enjoyed the interview and you learned something new and something helpful for your investment process. If you have any comments or suggestions you'd like to share, please contact us at info at investingwiththebuyside.com or just visit the Contact Us page on the website. If you really enjoyed listening, please give us some stars or a like on the podcast platform you use. If you work for an institutional investor and you'd like to hear more interviews like these, please sign Sign up for updates on the website. There's nothing more helpful in convincing a management team to agree to an interview than telling them which firms are actually listening. Also, I'd like to say sincerest thanks to Molly Sorg, Vistra's Vice President of Investor Relations. She was critical in securing this interview, and I really can't say thanks enough. So thanks a million, Molly. Last but not least, if you truly value the IWTV podcast, please consider supporting us. And you can do that by checking out the support page on the website. I'll end it there. And until next time take care from investing with the buy side and then we've got another 25 seconds i believe of uh yeah 25 seconds of get your jam yeah everyone yes you can dance if you want to okay that's enough of that so my favorite pet peeve of 30 seconds of music for no apparent reason not like there's no voiceover it's just you're in your car trying to find your phone, hoping that you don't wreck while you're trying to find the fast forward button. I'm like, Ugh. The close there, again, he gets back to reading whatever he has scripted out, which I'd like to hear him just tell me. If you want me to donate to the show or support the show, make me believe it. If you're just reading the script, it's going to be tough for you to convince me. I can't remember all of the calls to action there. Suggest somebody we can interview. Give me a bunch of stars on the platform that you use. 
If you value the podcast, consider supporting us. It just needs that singular call to action because I can't remember all the things you wanted me to do. And now I'm probably not going to do any of them. Right. And we'll get into the website a little bit. I'm not really sure where the revenue is going to come from, if this is going to be a business, because I'm not sure donations from people who typically invest is going to create enough of a windfall to support anybody. But we'll get into that a little bit here in the uh, website portion of the show. Yeah. Do you get the feeling from the way he words things that if you don't support the show, I'm not going to do it anymore? Yeah, it kind of felt like that. Like, man, this is a lot of work and costs a lot of money and I really need some help. Yeah. Kind of that vibe. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. To me, if you're going for what this is called, it's the value for value model, which is where you want to be crowdfunded uh, since you're not doing sponsors. And it looks like you might be. We'll talk about that in a second. But when you do that, instead of saying, if you value the podcast, if you value the podcast, consider supporting. us. Yeah. So I've heard other people say, if you found value in the podcast, as opposed to not do you value, but did you find value in this episode? Just point out that if you feel more educated in this market, you know, what did you just do for them, basically? Because sometimes people don't realize that you just gave them value. And that may be something you don't do any mention here of any kind of consulting, but you might want to do what I affectionately refer to as the Jerry Springer, where you get to the end and you go, what did we learn today? we learned that you're going to do this and that. And that then puts you as the expert, not the CEO. Yeah. I had a little note about that as well, because we kind of went from the interview like, hey, Jerry, thanks for joining us today. If you found value in it, donate to me. But kind of went straight from the interview to the pitch. And I would have liked to have seen some sort of summary at the end. All of this information, this 55 minute conversation we just had, What can I do with all of this information as an investor? What should I be thinking about? I realize that Nate doesn't want to make investment recommendations. Right. He doesn't want to step out. He doesn't want to tell people what they should and should not be investing in. But after the interview, as an investor, you could say, okay, we talked about this and this and this. Here are some things. If you're considering investing in this particular business, here are the things you should think about. A, B, C. We talked about this. We talked about that. We talked about the other thing. Keep this in mind. Keep that in mind. So you can kind of hit the highlights of maybe the pros and the cons of investing in that particular stock at the end of the show to kind of wrap it up for me. And then that would dovetail nicely, Dave, into what you're talking about is as a consultant or something like that in the space. Yeah, because in his iTunes listing, he's listed as Nate Abercrombie, equity researcher. And that's when I was like, if you need help researching equity, I can help with that. Not sure what that means. Yeah. (laughs) But let's go ahead and let me share my screen. We'll take a peek at the website here. And of the podcast, this is the part I thought that needed the more. I didn't find much really wrong in the podcast. Like I said, I'm not his target audience at this point. But I thought the audio was fine. There wasn't any weird hissing or noises or I didn't have to adjust my volume. So I thought the audio was fine. And when I came over here, I went, okay, this is a little low-hanging fruit here. The first thing, when you go to the website, now here I've already loaded the page. But every time I went to a new page, you have these images of mountains in the background. And I would look at those because I can almost guarantee you that they're rather large in size, like the actual file size. 
And one of the things you need to know is browsers, anything above 90 dots per inch, you could put a 500 dot per inch image and a 90 dots per inch image side by side on a browser, and you're not going to notice any difference. Anything above 90 dots per inch is just going to slow down the loading of that image. And so every time I went to this page, I would see the black text on a white background. I'd start to read it, and then a mountain would pop in in chunks. Like, here's the top third, here's the middle third, and then the bottom third. I'm like, oh. And then I couldn't read it because I have black text on a slightly dark blue background. And I would be like, oh, okay. And so the text here is okay, but it's kind of like audio. I always say your audio is fine unless it's distracting. And here, your website isn't bad. You've got navigation across the top and things of that nature, but your background is distracting me to where I'm like, wait, what does that say? And then I would say at the beginning somewhere, because you start off with the ultimate goal of IWTB, I would start off with the full name. And then in parentheses, you got to set that up. Because if you just start saying IWTB, you're assuming everybody knows what that is. And a brand new visitor is going to go, what's it? It, it would they're like, what? So you might want to throw in there. And I realize at the top of the page, it says investing with the buyer side. But even at the very front page, you say IWTB. And the thing to keep in mind here is if you never mention investing with the buy side, if somebody types that into Google and you have it nowhere on your website, you're not going to show up. You've got to have the name of the show in there somewhere because somebody who's on Google isn't going to search for IWTB unless they've heard the podcast. Well, they're not going to find the podcast unless they find your website in many cases. So, Yeah, I think a lot of people put more value in that background image than really needs to be there. I see a lot of people use mountains in the background for some reason. And I'm not sure why that is because if you scroll up and down, the mountain kind of stays static and just makes everything on the websites floating. A solid color on the background, even a gradient color in the background is not a bad thing. It makes your website easy to use. I like white backgrounds because it looks clean, but I'm not opposed to other colors. But when you use the snow-capped mountains with the dark clouds, some parts of the background are light and some parts of the background are dark. So regardless of the color of the text, it's going to be difficult to read. And they're different mountain pictures depending on which page you click on. The podcast and transcripts page has this nice panoramic aerial view of mountains. But if you click on the blog page, then all of a sudden you get a different mountain range and a different color. Actually, the blog page is just solid blue. Dark blue. Yeah, you have dark blue on, and it gets lighter towards the bottom. But that was another one. I'm like, I can't read this. And then you have, if you remember, he said, if I go to the blog page, I just made a note here. He said, go find the glossary. And I don't see the glossary on here. And I got to say, this thing at the bottom, subscribe to receive weekly updates. Words cannot express, being that I've been on your site most of the day, how much I want to punch this thing in the face. <laughs> because every time it I turn around. Up all the time. Yeah. And there's most pop-up programs have a way to say, only show this once per session or show it once every seven days or something. This thing shows up every time I go to a page. And every time I just, I'm like, I just want to take a hammer. But I don't see the glossary that he's talking about. And even is this the blog page? This is the blog page. And there's okay. So we thought the blog page was solid blue, but that was just the sky. Oh, that's true. Yeah. There's a mountain at the bottom. Yeah. And again, I feel like this is a national forest 
website now. I'm not quite sure. I don't know. I mean, they're pretty pictures, but there's a reason newspapers are white with black text. It makes it easy to read. And again, that doesn't mean you have to have a white website, but dark blue. mm -mm. And then the other thing is when I click on podcast and transcripts, you do have transcripts. There was no mention, zero mention of this in your podcast. And so I mentioned before that if you're going to bring up the cost, you could say, hey, it costs a bit to get these transcripts. Or at the end, hey, if you enjoyed this and there's, there's Mark, a or, or if you would enjoy reading this or something, you could promote and they're only $2.50. But when I clicked on this link to the transcript, it brings up this image and you have dark brown text on a piece of wood that is also dark brown. I just look at that and go, that's bad design. That's just bad web design. Again, it's just an opinion, but it's easy to buy and things of that nature. But I just, at this point was like, that's, mm, I'm not a fan of that picture. And it's also kind of weird that it, it looks like it's too big because when I put my mouse over it, it moves. I'm like, does that need resized or something? Or Now, the nice thing is when I go to the transcript page, I did notice that there are no mountains in the background. Yeah, this is a nice white clean page, yeah. nice add to cart button, nice buy now button. Yeah, so that was... What does BST mean? I have no idea. That is also in your file name. I noticed the actual name of the file was like VST final something. And I was like, why wouldn't it be IWTB? You've been saying that all along, but yet IWTB is not in your file name. I thought that was a little... I wonder if that is, if you look down bottom, the tags are corporate access, Kurt Morgan, equity research transcripts, utilities, VST. I wonder if VST is the trading symbol. That, you know what? I bet that, that might be it. The VST interview. There's interview. Yeah, because he has all these different... Yeah. NRG. Yeah, NRG. yeah so that's got to be the stock symbol. The other thing I noticed is... Up here at the top, you have links to where your show is. And the one for Spotify, when I click on it, it graciously sends me to Spotify, but not your show in Spotify. And I'll put a link in the show notes. I have a video on how you can go to the Spotify desktop and get the link to your show and then put that up there. Is that you, your Discover Weekly? That is me. That's a picture of me somehow. Spotify found a picture on my desktop somewhere or my Facebook. I think it's from Facebook. And that's me in front of the Cleveland courthouse. All right. Looking all cool and badass in my leather jacket. And apparently I've been, li- I've been listening to a lot of Ted Nugent lately. Yeah. He was on the Joe Rogan show. So I got all, okay. yeah. So can we go back to this transcripts page here? Yeah. The VST, which threw us off. What I might recommend there is that you put NYSE colon VST. So people are so used to seeing New York Stock Exchange and then the ticker symbol. So I know that VST is the New York Stock Exchange ticker symbol. If that's what that happens to be, that would communicate to the people clicking on this what VST means so they don't have to go through the interpretation and all of the research to try and figure out what that means. Yeah. So that's just a recommendation, not an idea. You mentioned people going to, you know, if you'd like to support the show. So when you click on the support page, It's going to come over. So here again, I got text and then I got mountains and now I can't read. And the other thing I was thinking of, oh, and there's our good friend, the pop-up. And more mountains. And more mountains is... Now, I did not understand before you jump into that. I did not understand that support meant support the show. I thought support was like tech support. Like if you were having issues, like click on Uh, that for support. Yeah, this this is his thing for pitching. And the thing I thought was interesting 
is he says, I can't be more honest when I say that the buy side firm I worked for was frustratingly parsimonious when it came to compensation. And for me, I just went, oh, look, somebody found the thesaurus because I'm like parsimonious. It sounds like a Greek God. You know what I mean? It's like he was the Greek God of cheese, parsimonious. And he went through, I don't know. To me, I just thought, okay, here again, if you'd like to continue hearing management talk about their companies, please consider supporting IWTB. And you have these links that are now at the top of a mountain. The one thing I didn't get a chance to do, and I wish I would have, was look at this on a phone because a big chunk, over 60%, people listen on some sort of device. They're not doing this on their computer. And I would love to see how these links show up on a phone because, again, you have a dark, almost greenish text for Patreon. And when I click on that, it actually takes me away from your website to Patreon. And there are people that do this. Typically with Patreon, it's, hey, if you you can subscribe for a dollar uh, an episode or a dollar a month, and you'll get my ever-loving thanks. If you do $5 a month, well, then you get this little bonus. If you do $20 a month, if you do $50 a month, there's some sort of reward, and there aren't any here. And this looks like I just set it up because people might ask, and I haven't gone back and fixed it or anything like that. So we do have more mountains. But when I click on become a patron, it asks me to put in my own pledge. And it doesn't say here if it's per month or per episode. Again, subscribers are where it's at, whether it's per episode or per monthly. And this looks like it's a one-time pledge. And I'm like, "Mm, kind of missing the boat here. But as a Patreon page goes, if you go in, Patreon has a bunch of help. Like put a video on there and explain what people are getting and maybe even have some of your episodes here for free. So people can get an idea of what you're doing. And the other thing I would do is I would have that open in a new window. So if they go over there and go, nah, and they close it, they're back at your website. One comment on the frustratingly parsimonious compensation. Yeah. Being bitter about the company you used to work for is not a great way to get people to donate money to you. They were cheap, so I quit. So give me some money is not going to be a great way to stuff the coffers. So tell people what they're going to get by supporting the show, why the information that you're delivering is valuable and needs to continue and ask for help to make that possible to get it to continue rather than just saying, this is expensive and I'm broke. So help me out. Yeah. Frame this whole support paragraph from the perspective of your listener. What's in it for them? I was surprised because I interviewed the guys from Flatter, F-L-A-T-T-R, because we all know E's are evil. I didn't realize they were still in business. So that's interesting. I realized Flatter was at one point a little more popular in Europe. I mean, that was years ago. But And then you have the PayPal donate button. Again, you might want to see if I click on that, does it give me a monthly subscription or is it just a one-time? Okay, good. They do have the option here to make this a monthly subscription. So that's done right. I'll give an example of somebody who's doing value for value right is Jen Briney of Congressional Dish. And she explains, she's like, look, I just read a bill. It was 318 pages. I watched CNN for three hours. I brought you all this stuff. And she just basically says, here's what I did. And you didn't have to do that. And I brought it here. And then she does it in an entertaining way. Every time she drops an F-bomb, they bleep it out with a golf swing. So it's hilarious. But the other thing to keep in mind, Jen's been doing this for probably 10 years. 
And it took her probably three years to even make a dent to where she was breaking even. So that's where I always say it's not bad that you're on episode 11, but if you're looking for this to make money at episode 11, that's where things get a little rough. And this is where I see people start to white knuckle it. And I would kind of go back. And if I were to go back to the launch of this and somebody say, Hey, I'm going to spend $180 a month on transcripts. I'd be like, well, dude, does your audience want transcripts? Because is anybody buying these? That would be, I think what I would look at. And it may be at this point, nobody's buying them because you're not telling them that they're there. Yeah. I would rather than asking for donations, especially when you're talking to investors, to me, investors don't seem like the type that are going to just simply donate to an art format like podcasting because it's in the kindness of their heart. They're going to need to receive something for it. They want return on their investment. So find something that you can sell these people. And it could be information. It could be your stock tip sheet that comes out every week, or it could be the market week in review, or it could be anything like that, where they're donating $25 a month or something like that. And you're delivering a weekly newsletter that recaps the week in trading or something. But I would find something to give them in return for their dollars rather than just hoping out of the kindness of their heart, they're going to give you money. Yeah. The other thing I saw on the website was you have a thing here for advertising. So you're looking apparently for advertising. And when you click on it, we get more mountains. And if your company would like to advertise on IWTB podcast, please let us know. And to me, I thought that was rather interesting because Twice you do a disclaimer that I'm not getting paid for the information on here. And I realize you're talking about the CEO and the company that you're interviewing. And there's our good friend, the pop-up. I went back and listened to the disclaimer to go, is he going to have to redo that disclaimer to say, unless it's a sponsor? Because obviously it's a sponsor. We know you're getting paid. But the thing that I would put here instead of a, hey, contact me if you're interested in advertising. Well, if they clicked on this, they're interested in advertising. So let's get that out of the way. Say, here is my media kit. Here's how many listeners I have. Here's my typical audience. And this is where most people go, I don't have that information. Well, you better go get it because if you're looking for advertisers, that's the first question they're going to ask. You can do this with Google Forms. It's free. And you can set up a quick form to say, are you male, female, or other? What's your age range? How much money do you make? What's the last thing you bought? Whatever it is that your target advertiser is probably going to want to know because they're going to want to know that information. Hands down, they're going to want to know. If you have Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, they're going to want to know how many people are on that because it's not all about the podcast. It's how much influence do you have? And so I would put that here rather than contact me if you're interested in being a sponsor, because the idea is the quicker you can get them to writing you a check, let's do that. And this form right now is just an extra step. One thing I learned after 30 years in radio is that businesses hate buying advertising. Nobody goes, man, I can't wait to go buy some advertising today. (laughs) Nobody buys advertising. People want more customers in their door and they want more sales. That's the only thing they want. They don't want to buy advertising. So, hey, do you want to buy some advertising? Tell us what you want to advertise. I have no idea. I haven't talked to you, but I can almost guarantee that very few people have filled this form out because nobody wants to go buy advertising. What are you going to do for them? How are you going to get their product in front of more eyeballs? How are you going to get them more leads? How are you going to get them more customers? 
How are you going to give them access to people that they don't typically have access to? That's what they want. They want to increase their influence. They want to increase their leads. They want to increase their sales. They want to increase their revenue. They don't want to buy advertising. So you need to restructure this page to benefit them. What's in it for them? Tell us about the product or service that you'd like to advertise is not a benefit for any company. You need to restructure this in a way that says, let me help you get your product or service in front of my 14 subscribers or whatever it happens to be and help you move more product, get more leads and generate more sales. However, you're going to help them do that. That's what this page needs to be about. Yeah. And I've seen people that will take a media kit and they'll have the information about their show and then they'll throw in that, hey, 42 million people listen to podcasts every week and they'll throw in some stats about podcasting because in some cases, a sponsor might be new to podcasting. So they'll throw that in there. The other thing I thought that was missing from the website and you have it, it's on your welcome page. But when I go to a website, if I'm confused by anything, the thing I'm looking for at the top is the word about, and you have that under the word welcome, which is kind of your homepage. And you can go into WordPress and make a link and say about and still have it linked right to the front page. So for me, that was the one thing I was like, wait, where's the about page? And I thought, is it the bottom? Nope, it's not at the bottom. There's our good friend, the pop-up. Did I mention that I really want to punch that thing in the face? But other than that, you do have a contact page. I don't know that that's at the top. Have you read the pop-up? Do you know what it says? I just know it's weekly something. and it, it, <laughs> It's popped up on every page you've been to. And I haven't read it yet. <laughs> I just know it's a pop-up. I don't want it. And, and here it says to fill out a contact form. Okay, subscribe to receive weekly updates. <laughs> Join our weekly mailing list to receive updates on product editions, updates, and other random stuff. Other random stuff. Well, I'm sorry. I, you know, I woke up this morning. I said, where can I find some random stuff? And what sort of product editions? I don't, is there anything on here I can buy other than the transcripts? Uh, I don't know. But here on the contact page, okay, this is the one thing I don't like about the mountains. In some cases, there's more information. And the way this page looks right now, I feel like I'm looking at everything because you got this nice border at the bottom of the page. And I've got, you know, I'm looking at these snow-capped mountains and it says contact form. And I'm I'm thinking right now, oh, there must be a problem on this page because I don't see the form because you've got a ton of space here that a form could fit in, but it's yeah, not. Yeah, you would think it would pop up right there. Yeah, but if I scroll down, it's below the picture. And so I'm like, oh, okay. You also have, wait, what? Okay, so we got a contact form, a question form, and a company interview request form. I'm not sure how I feel about that. Uh, that seems like a little, you might, hmm, question form, contact form. Do we need to? Can I not ask a question in the contact form? Yeah, I'm not sure why this is. Does it come to a different email inbox or why is there? Yeah, I mean, the one has the one has your name, email address, and a question. One has a name, email, and a message. I would, I would lose one of those because you're going to, you know, you're going to get people that are paralysis through analysis because they can't figure out which form to use. And then this one is a company interview request. In other words, if you want to be a guest and name company email, company name, and then if your management team believes their stock is deeply undervalued and would like to be on the podcast, please let us know. So 
I, yeah, I think the, the fewer boxes people have to fill out, the tendency is the, the better conversion you'll get. If there's fewer hoops to jump through, you'll get people to jump through the hoops. If there's 17 boxes to fill out, people are going to say, oh, that's too much work. I don't think I'm going to do that. So you might just have one uh, form there that just says, hey, contact us to be on the show or with any questions you might have. Name, email address, message. Yeah. And then if you, there it is. Yeah. And then, and then you, you can reach out if they say, I want to be on the show, then you can reach out and go, great. Tell me a little bit about your company. What is it you do? Uh, you know, and whatever you need to know at that point in time, you just use the, the contact form to open the door. Yeah. You don't need to get their biography in the contact form. Yeah. The other thing I noticed is when I click on podcast and transcripts, um, you have what I call a show player, which is basically, it's like a jukebox. You have one box with all your episodes in it. And that's fine. You have, um, I'm not sure I'm super crazy about the way you're naming things. It's interview with nanotech securities, Douglas Blakeway, but I'm not sure, you know, I need to know that it's from nanotech and you want to make Doug feel good. So his name's in the title. I'm just, to me, I always like interviews. If you can kind of give me a nugget of like what we're going to learn as opposed to, Hey, it's an interview with Doug. Uh, but the thing with these players with the show player is you're missing a huge potential for Google juice, meaning there's no show notes here. And it's also at times kind of hard to, sh- I, I don't know that I could share this. I can share this page and say, Hey, it's the 17th one down right underneath the one from Mike Garland. <laughs> it's you'll see it. And then, so you want your stuff to be easy to share and you do have subscribe buttons on the left-hand side. I see there for Apple podcasts and Google play and pocket casts. You might want it. That's again, and this is the podcaster to me. I like a button at the top that says subscribe with directions on how to do it, depending on how tech savvy your your audience is. But what was interesting is uh, he had sent us a link to listen to the episode, which was this page, which has this really nice blueberry player, uh, no mountain in the background. I can read this, not a ton of, of text. And uh, the Yoast SEO plugin, which many people feel is a really good in terms of basic SEO, recommends you put 300 words. And so here, if I'm thinking about listening to this interview with Kurt Morgan, you could say we talked about, you know, um, the volatility of the energy uh, market. We we talk about the uh, history of the name. We talk about you know, whatever, why, why people should feel comfortable investing in this company. What, what, any bullet point, any question you had, these are just reasons to give people to click as opposed can to what. Can you click show notes there under his picture? Where does that take us? That takes us to this page. That's the page we were just on. Yep. So it takes us, mm, yep. It takes us back to this exact page, which is a little bit of a head scratcher. I can download it. Now, the subscribe buttons are set up. This is to iTunes and subscribe on Android. There's our good friend, the uh, pop-up again, because, you know, if I hadn't subscribed yet, oh, I would now because you've put it in front of me for the 37th time this morning. Um, (laughs) Just find a way in the settings to turn that thing off. You do have a share button here. That was the other thing I was going to mention. But the the problem is if I go to this page, I cannot get to that page. There's no, I'm on podcasts and transcripts. Um, over here, please subscribe here. Here's transcript. There's no way to get to that page 
which is prettier. It has share buttons. I can I like this page a lot. Yeah. So I'm not sure why, you know, let's go back to that other page. Scroll down. Is there anything at the bottom that might lead us there? No. Disclaimer. Well, here's another one. We have dark red text on a black background. That's yeah. I can't even read that. No, I, it's podcast and transcriptions. So I'm I'm not sure why, but this oh, there's social media links down bottom in red too. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's not. Yeah, I don't know how to get to that page. It's a great looking page. Yeah, you can't, and that's the part that I was like, I really when I clicked on this podcast and transcripts, I expected to see this, and yeah. and I'm like, you just can't get there from here. So. Um, I would fix that. And then I would make this page with the player. If you want, you know, make a page. I have one on, on one of my shows. I just called it the binge page. So if you want to come and click play and just listen to them all in the background, go right ahead. But uh, this is hard to, to share. Uh, there's no show notes for that. And, and even on the page that has show notes, there aren't many, but, and you've got a transcript. I'm thinking, holy cow, you got to be able to pull some pull quotes out of that for, for yeah. show notes. So that was just one that I want, mm, you know, um, I, I would much rather have this page than, than this page. And again, this doesn't mean this is horrible, but I, uh, when people click on podcasts and transcripts, cause in theory, what happens just for giggles, I'm going to guess here, but there's gotta be a way. If you have this as a category, uh, for podcasts that you could put a link at the top and that's I've been 2018 instead of podcast. Because that the, last page was slash 2018 slash something. There we go. Tell him what he's won. Eric guessed correctly. <laughs> it's a cheese straightener. Yeah. So now we've got, yes. this is, this is now we're talking. I can read this number one, black text on a white background. Um, yeah. You can add your VST. You can add your subscribe links. You can add your stuff over here. I'd like to see the font a little bit bigger, but this page looks great. Yeah. Because now I can see an overview of each of the episodes, Pure Cycle, interview with Vistra Energy's Kurt Morgan, interview with Pure Cycle's Mark Harding, NRG Energy, interview with Summit Mainstream's Steve Newby. This is, and there's older entries. This is a clean page. It's black text on a white background. Now we're, we're talking about investing. And so... You would think we don't want this big flowery artsy sort of website. We want something that's suit and tie, you know, and and lends uh, an air of credibility um, and reliability to the people who are visiting the website. And I think this page right here does just that. Looks really clean. The logo stands out. The menu stand out. There's dark text on a light background. Even the reds and the the browns stand Mm -hmm. out. Yeah. Maybe a photo or two would spice it up a little bit. Yeah, I, I think it's. I see he's got one on this one page. And this is one of those where if you're not a web designer, there are times when, you know, this can really boost your first impression. And you don't have to spend $1,200 to have somebody design a three page website. You, there, are, there are resources all over the place that you can get just to, you know, have them set it up and make it look pretty. And then you just put the content in. If you, for me, when I compared the the actual podcast and the the conversation and the the interview to the website, I just went, oh, the website needs much more work than the actual podcast did. And I don't know that it needs all that much work, Dave, because it, if you took the 
the website as we're looking at it and just change the background, yeah, the the website all of a sudden becomes something completely different and it looks more like this page right here. Yeah. And I don't think it's that far. It's the difference between doing it yourself and hiring someone to do it. You know, it's and I know it it costs money, but but just you you don't know what you don't know. And trying to make it look snazzy ends up making it look cluttered. And if we just change that background and make it look clean, like this dark text on the white background right here, yeah, that website becomes something completely different and it actually looks sharp. Yeah, and you could change this dark red for your social uh, to, to either white or, or come up with a different color scheme or something. Really, if you just lose the mountains and get this white background and maybe add a splash of color here, or like you said, some images, get your sidebar back over here. You're really not that far from, from instead of us going, wow, this is, I can't find, you know, I can't read anything to, okay, this is easy to navigate. Uh, you're not that far off. So yeah, you change the background, you clean up a couple of the things we talked about, like the about page and some things like that. And all of a sudden, you know, it's a hundred percent better than where it was. Yeah. So My question that I have is, where is the revenue generator? What is it that you do, Nate? Is it, uh, you know, are you a consultant? Are you an advisor? Are are you a web developer? Are you, I I don't understand. I don't know what it is that, that you do for a living. Like a pot, a lot of people want their podcast to be their business. I tell a lot of people, the podcast isn't the business. The podcast promotes the business. Right. You you have to have an underlying business that the podcast will direct people to. So, Nate, what is your revenue generator? Where are you going to generate revenue within your company? Figure that out and then use the podcast to direct people there. Like we said, when you filled out the survey, it was like, I just want to help people invest better. Well, that's beautiful. But when I go to your website and see advertisers and, and chip in here, I'm going to quit. I'm like, I, you know, I, I, I think there's a little, you know, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong. You don't have to make money with your podcast if you don't want to, but if you do, you've got to follow some steps and it, it really is. You're either going to sell your stuff. That's the most profitable. If you have something, some sort of product you can sell your audience, that's the best. Then there's things like affiliate marketing, selling other people's stuff. And then you get into things like Patreon and crowdfunding and donations and things like that. Well, and that's the way Jeff Walker over at Product Launch Formula started. It was all about an investing newsletter that people paid him for. Investors will pay for information. And it doesn't have to be unique information. It doesn't have to be your take on which stocks to buy. You can just be an aggregator. You can go get the best news and information of the week and aggregate it into one newsletter and here's a link to money and here's a link to Forbes and here's a link to to this hot tip sheet and here's a link to this. And you you have a dozen articles there with the overview of the article and a link to them that people pay you for. So they don't have to go out and do the work for themselves. You're saving them time and they're paying you money for it. But you need to find a revenue generator and it can't simply be a donate button. Yeah, that's if even if you look at somebody like Pat Flynn, John Lee Dumas, these are guys that are making more money in a month than I'm going to make in a year, and they all have multiple streams of income. In fact, if you look at them, sponsors is like Pat Flynn compared to his affiliate income gets much more. Now Pat's kind of the affiliate king, but his his actual sponsorship, I did the math once, it's like 3% of his income. 
And then he has courses, he has software, he has um, sponsors, you know. So uh, most of those guys that are killing it, just like we've heard uh, in the interview, to bring it back to the the podcast, they said they they expanded their portfolio so that if, you know, if the price of gas goes down, then this goes up. And the same thing in podcasting. You can't have it all with one thing because all of a sudden something comes out and you're like, oh, my my book that taught people how to, you know, use this tool and the tool just went out of business. Okay, now what do I do? So if you can have multiple streams, if that's the goal, then you got to go that route. So, but as we uh, start to wrap things up, all in all, you know, again, most of this stuff wasn't really, it, it's not, uh, you know, major surgery. I, I know we mentioned the, uh, the way you started off the show was good. The first question, maybe not so much. Yeah, I thought the uh, the 10 minute setup could be a little more entertaining in terms of inflection and dynamics and maybe adding in some audio clips and things like that to kind of give it a little more depth and dynamic. Uh, maybe add in a clip from a previous interview if that's what you reference. Uh, set up your guest's background there. Hit the ground running with that first question. Give me something that I can use. I thought your interview was solid. I really only heard one big crutch, and that was, no, I, I really appreciate that, you know, after every answer. So work on removing that crutch. Hit him with some hard questions that I can use as an investor. But overall, I thought you got him to tell some decent stories. You got him to give you great information from a CEO talking about the stock of his company, which is tough to do with forward-looking statements. I appreciated that with the whole episode. And I thought the sound quality was great. I thought you you did a nice job making it sound less like a, a big infomercial for the stock and, and more like a conversation with... Uh, a heavy hitter in the business. I'd like to see a little summary at the end. What can I do with the information that you gave me as an investor? That would be a great opportunity for you to promote the tip sheet or, or whatever it is, the newsletter that you're selling to your, to your listeners. So uh, overall, I thought it was a strong episode. You sound confident on the mic. You sound confident in your interviewing skills. Uh, You sound much more comfortable interviewing than when you're sitting there in front of the mic by yourself. So loosen up a little bit and, and be yourself when you're just one on one on one with the mic. Yeah. And we've already mentioned the, the website again, if, if you're going to use background images, just compress them down so that they don't kind of load in chunks, brighten up things a little bit, make it a little easier to read, maybe add an about page and some things there with the uh, transcripts, but it's not, again, you're, you're not, you've got, a good core here. It's just a matter of tweaking things a little bit to, uh, cause it wasn't really hard to, well, it was hard to navigate to the stuff that we wanted to read. So I would, I would update the menu to point to your, your category or your menu or whatever you have for your podcast. Instead of the current page you have with, uh, the player, you're missing out on some Google juice there. If that's, well, you're not, it's just people can't get to this page. And I think if you follow those, you'll, you're headed in the right direction. I, I totally agree with Eric that uh, if this is something you want as a revenue generator, and, and nobody wants to hear this phrase, the people I know that are making a living with their podcast, meaning they're promoting products, services, consulting, whatever, it usually takes about three years. And, and most people, you know, and they go, what about John Lee Dumas? He did it in six months, six months of a daily show. Okay, now if you make him weekly, do the math, it's a little over three years and nobody wants to hear that. So that doesn't mean you can't, beat it and do it in a year and a half or two, but it just 
from what I've seen, it's not, uh, well, it's like if you look at a restaurant or any kind of company, it, it takes a while to get things off the ground to where it's really running on its own. So, but all in all, you, you're definitely got the, I, I, I think you have value and that the, it, it reminded me a little bit of congressional dish in that this is information that I can't get any place else. Like I can't call up the CEO of these companies and go, Hey, can, can you talk to me for 20 minutes on the phone? No. So, and I would, I think I would accent that a little more. It's like, Hey, I did this and you can't and support it. Value for value. That's a a great point. You know, the fact that you can get CEOs on the phone and talk to them on, and this guy was excited about being here. Like Mm -hmm. other people he knew who had been on the show had told him about it. And he was like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to being on the show, which was really cool. So the fact that you can get on the phone with these big guys uh, is definitely something to tout when promoting the show. I think probably the last point we haven't, you mentioned this a little bit. We don't know really hardly anything about him, the host. Yeah. Nate didn't tell us a whole lot about what he does or who he is or how he can help. So a little bit of that would be good. You can reveal some of that maybe in the, in the, uh, preamble there before the interview and that sort of thing and what you've done in the past and how you might be able to help the listener. That would be a a good point. Yeah. But uh, if you'd like to join us, as you have seen, you don't always have to join us physically here. Uh, we do have the kind of light version of the podcast review. Uh, simply go out to podcastreviewshow.com. And uh, Eric, where can people find you? You can find me always at podcasttalentcoach.com. All of my uh, useful information and coaching information is right there for you. And uh, Dave, which website might we find you? You can find me over at schoolofpodcasting.com and you'll see that uh, again, just to, to pimp us one, I just realized I'm doing multiple calls to action. Uh, it's my, it's my hobby. It's what I do. Uh, <laughs> but to go back to our original call to action, if you do want to be featured on the show, we would love to have you now that you know a little bit about us, uh, simply go to podcastreviewshow.com. We would love to have you here live because it, it it allows us to ask questions of you and kind of um, get the reasoning behind some of these things. Like there might be a reason that that Nate uses mountains on his website. We don't know because he's not here for us to ask him. So like we said at the beginning, we have to make assumptions when we're doing the light version. We, we much rather have you on the show so we can uh, poke and prod at you and uh, it's it's super easy we haven't made anybody cry yet we haven't lost a patient <laughs> yet so we would love to have you you can uh, get on the show just head over to podcastreviewshow.com all of the information's right there and we can surely schedule it to a to a time when it fits you best absolutely thanks so much for listening we'll see you again real soon